Well, welcome to week four of Off the Record, a candid, casual conversation about life, culture, and church. And uh, today we're closing and finishing up our series called Mixtape on love, relationships, and sex. And uh, we're going to close that out this week talking a little bit about this idea of just how do we own our own issues in the context of relationships? It's so easy to project to others and we never get past sometimes sticking points in our relationship until we're really willing to take some moments and uh, and really look inside. And so that's our conversation today. We are so glad you joined us today. Joining me today to help us uh, further this talk, uh, I've got Pastor Zach King with us, and uh, many of you uh, know Pastor Zach, and if you got a chance to hear him preach Sunday on this topic, we'll come back to that in just a little bit. And then LJ Ross is with us today, and LJ is so, uh, you've seen her many times if you're here at Lex City leading worship, but what I love about what LJ does, just imparting her life into young ladies and the moms and the single women, and uh, she's going to add a lot today. So guys, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, good to be here. Well, when we came up, I remember in our teaching series that we're getting ready to think about titles, It's Not You, It's Me. I kept thinking it's a great title, but it kept bringing back all these memories of breakup lines and uh, past hurts and scars. So I know I was thinking about maybe other titles that we could use that might have the same thing. And so I want to run some by you. Nice. And, uh, this feels very personal to you, Brian. Well, some of these hurt, and uh, <laughs> they, they may be a little too tree. But here, here are five maybe that I might have heard in my lifetime. Uh, hey, babe, I think it's about time we cancel our gym membership. We're not working out anymore. <laughs> kind of like that one there. Uh, hey, baby, I'm calling myself Hans because you need to be solo. Ooh, Ooh that one came. Star Wars they kind of came back to my good. Star Wars heart yeah. for that. Use that against me. Uh, hey, baby, I think I'm going blind because I can't see you anymore. Ouch. Ooh, that, <laughs> yeah, that didn't work very um, for maybe some of you uh, parents with young kids, I need to get a little bit more like Elsa. Need to let you go. So I thought that one came with a song. Um, and I didn't really hear this. I will always cherish my initial misconceptions of you. Oh. <laughs> it kind of cut to the point there. <laughs> we kind of went from funny to like just mean. Yeah, yeah you know, it's kind of these things like, hey, babe, I, I, I think we need to take our relation back, relationship back to its previous level. You know, at these moments, I begin to realize there. <laughs> That's my pain. Have you guys experienced any of these pains of, of breakups, bad breakup lines? I mean, my wife of 22 years now uh, basically gave me the it's not you, it's me line in college. I mean, I did get her back eventually. Eventually, you wore her down. You know, yeah. she Jesus juked me. You know, it was like, <laughs> I'm going to date Jesus for a while. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, so you and changed your name and away you went. That's right, and now I'm Jesus. Jesus so, King, I love great. it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think I was probably the one that broke up. I, I, I of course. Looking at the three of us, I'm not surprised you are the breaker upper and we right. are the breaker up. There's always one who's like, "Well, that stinks for you guys." Yeah, I was pretty awesome. I had some life. options. I mean, I had to go back. Oh, second grade, Heather Reimer. She was the. You can't say her name. What if she's listening? Oh. She's married now. Has okay. a different last name. Okay. You can't look her up. Uh, but she was the girl, and so she had an older sister, so she knew how this dating thing worked. And nice. so during class, she would pass the note, mm -hmm. you know, check yes or no. Oh, yeah. And four months into it, I finally got the note, and I was so nervous. I checked the wrong box. Oh, I thought I was supposed to check no, and it was actually yes. And then, you know, you're sneaking it back while the teacher's talking. And halfway there, I realized, I think I checked the wrong box. This was my one moment. Oh, no. And I was so anxious, so I couldn't wait for recess so I could explain to her that I checked the wrong box. No sooner had she gotten that little note back, 
she wrote another one to my best friend Dave, and he had checked the right note. And by recess, my second grade love life was over. Wow, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. So this idea to me She didn't marry that guy, though, right? No. That'd be an amazing story. (laughs) Now it's just painful as we go. So... It's not you, it's me, has lots of revocations. But really, as we try to put it in context for what we want to spend some time on today, it really is the crux of our relationships, right? That we're willing to look inside. Blame never gets us past where we are right now. And so before we jump into that, hey, I do want to thank the many of you that are joining us and those that are subscribing and the the new listeners we have. And so we're going to give a little gift away. So if you are a new subscriber, hit that new subscribe. And to one of you, you're going to win a book I want to send out to you this week called Reconnecting. And it was really the inspiration of that sermon topic I'd used the other week, moving from soulmates to roommates, and then how do we move back to soulmates uh, by uh, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley. And so if you hit subscribe to us, one of you will win one of these books, and uh, glad to resource you that way. Speaking of being resourced, Zach, you did a great job Sunday of just kind of leading us in that discussion. Um, It's obviously a topic, Lord, we kind of laid on your heart in different ways. I thought you did a great job with some of the myths and some of the things. Why don't you share just a little bit kind of what moved you to that kind of conversation and maybe highlight some of the things that really I think would be helpful for us as we start this conversation. Yeah, I think as we've been talking through this series, um, we talked a lot about marriage and things like that as well. But I think just processing this whole dating culture that we're living in today and just uh, feeling like we really are, you know, we care more about our intentions than we do our direction to reach our destination, which is hopefully a, a godly marriage at some point. Um, And so I think my heart was really just to more go, there's a better way to do this. Um, There's so many people that just go through relationship after relationship after relationship. We call that groundhog date or groundhog relationship where you just repeat the same thing over and over again. Mm. And just feeling like that's just a lot of, um, and it's not even an age thing. I don't, people of all ages are walking through, you know, this right now. And so I think just going, there's a better way to do this. And I think we're living with these preconceived notions from these relationship myths that we talked about, and maybe they're things from our childhood that maybe our parents taught us or we learned from culture that have kind of stuck with us. And it's just kind of this rewiring. And that's why we talked about Romans 12, just kind of renewing our mind um, to things of Christ and relationships. So that was kind of where the, the heartbeat came from. Yeah, kind of replacing the lies of our culture with that truth. And right. it's just that ongoing, yeah, that ongoing thing. And it is when we get into those mixes in those relationships, tensions, times, you know, that idea again of, of projecting towards, LJ, you get a chance to do life with a lot of ladies, different seasons, different stages of life. How have you seen this principle kind of lived out with the folks that you're getting a chance to engage with? Yeah, I think I see it a lot. I, I talk with a lot of women who are maybe frustrated in their dating relationships or in their marriages, and they're just not sure where it went wrong. And oftentimes they don't pause to ask themselves the question of like, okay, what part do I play in it? The it's not you, it's me. Um, I'm frustrated at my husband because he's not doing this, this, and this. What part am I playing in that? Am I projecting on him something that I shouldn't be? Um, Honestly, I've talked with a lot of women about just the different temperaments and uh, personality types and really understanding um, your husband's or your uh, partner's intrinsic value, seeing them the way that God sees them before you see them as the person who's not doing the thing you wish they would do. Um, And so I hear from so many women, they're just, uh, their dating life or their marriage just isn't what they imagined it would be, and they don't know how to move it forward. Um, And so 
to me, just reminding them, like, you get to meet and learn that person for the first time, but it's a constant learning and relearning of who they are, um, who they're becoming, and allowing space for them to grow, not just saying, he's always like this, he's going to do this, but giving him space to grow and become who he's going to be and um, be ready to meet that new person. Um, just that, like last week you talked about reconnecting, just continuing to try to figure out who your partner is and how you can best support them. Yeah, that's great. Because ultimately we don't have a choice but to really move to that point. Mm -hmm. Zach, you shared Sunday. I loved one of the points is like you can't blame your way into a better future. Uh, Always projecting and always doing this doesn't move the ball and just keeps you in this years of just these cycles of of, – mistrust and cycles of miscalculating that. And I was reminded, you know, Jesus knew this. I remember one of his teachings where Jesus reminded us, you know, here's the focus that we want to spend some time. You know, back in the book of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was talking again to the Pharisees, and he simply said this. It says, you know, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging the standard is by which you will be judged yourself. So why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a big log in your own, right? Mm-hmm. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eyes when you can't see past the log in your own hypocrite? First, get rid of the log in your own eyes, and then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes, you know? And Jesus just pointing to what is so natural in our relationships, right? We always tend... We can see it so much clearer in other people than we can, can ourselves. And I said the challenge, at least I know in my life, I judge myself by my intentions, but I judge others by their actions. Right. And I'm so good at giving myself grace. Well, I know I didn't quite get this done, but I really wanted to do that. And then you'll look at your significant other and say, they never do this or they don't. And just that difference how we, again, Jesus knew, like you're trying to deal with this speck and you've got the log mm-hmm. that you go with that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, you talk about the, the the speck and the and the log. I think when there's that gap in your relationship, and this could be anything, it could be working relationships, friendships, marriage, or whatever. You talk about the intention thing. I feel like when when there's a gap, we expect people to trust us, right? But when there's a gap, other people, we immediately go to suspicion. Mm-hmm. And so it's that where do you what are you filling in that gap? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's so many times we fill it with suspicion. Well. They're late to the meeting because they don't care about this meeting. Well, they're late to the meeting because something happened at their house and they had theirs out of their control, right? Yeah. But we immediately think this other thing. But we expect if it's us that's late that they're going to go, well, of course you should have trusted that something came up, right? And the same thing is very true in relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So, so LJ, how, how do you help, uh, I think, of our young moms or I think of our singles who are in that kind of a relationship and there is this gap, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how do we, we help and what are some encouragements to them to get past that point of, of not filling that with that kind of suspicion or feeling? Um, what, have, what have been some things that you've seen through the years that have been helpful? I think the first thing is just figuring out like maybe where the gap came from. Um, the comparison trap mm. is so huge where you see someone else's husband showing up in ways that you wish yours did. And that might not be his gift set or his wiring. He's not meant to show up in the way that that person does. But that's what you see. And social media just blows it out of proportion. I'm seeing all these other husbands doing all these perfect things. When in reality, I don't know what it's like in the home. I only see the husband coaching the team and the husband, you know, doing all these crazy things. Um, And so figuring out where that gap 
begins is a real key to figuring out then how to bridge the gap. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I think it's really, yeah, I like what you said, because it's really dealing with what's the real information. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're dealing with perception versus reality. You know, and I think, I mean, everyone talks about this, but I mean, Instagram is, you're comparing your real life to their highlight reel Mm -hmm. of their life. And I think it's the same through, the same thing through the other side as well. Like, Mm -hmm. it's easy to look at other people's wives on Instagram and be like, the house is kept, she's working a full-time job, food's on the table, her kids look amazing, all these other things. And you go, oh, well, that's not how my house always looks. Well, the reality is that's just what they're posting. It's probably not actual reality. So... Think once you figure out like where the gap's coming from and start doing that work, then just realizing that you can't do it all, neither can your spouse. Um, but figuring out like, okay, what are my top priorities? What can I do? And maybe a clean house is my thing, but then I have to let having a full-time job go or whatever it is. Like I realize health food's not my thing right now, but my kids are being fed, but I can't see other people's healthy food and wish I had that too. You know what I'm saying? So figuring out um, a top priority or two for your life and your marriage and then saying, you know, talking with your spouse, okay, we are going to make weekly date night a top priority. If that's what we've decided together, then what are we going to do to make that happen? Sometimes I think people (laughs) would rather like struggle in a marriage and get a divorce than figure out how to find a babysitter and figure out how to take a weekend away. Um, It, you know, we fall into these traps where we forget, like, you have to fight for this. You have to work for it. Mm-hmm. The enemy does not want healthy marriages and healthy families. So you have to put in the work and the time and the thought to work on that and not just, you know, suffer in silence or let something go until there is no marriage to save, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like talking with people, and I would even, in even my own marriage, I think it's, it's easier to just sometimes say nothing and not have the conversation. And I, Brian, I've heard you say this before, like unexpressed expectations are going to be unmet expectations. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times we're holding our spouse or our partner in a relationship hostage to something we've never even told them that we needed or we want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny you said my wife and I just talked about that. We're implementing date night now starting this Thursday night because we realized we've been here for three and a half years. We've maybe been on like five dates. Mm-hmm. It's so easy just to let your kids and the church and your life just take your schedule and kind of, you know, lose the thing that's most important. So. Yeah, and every time we go on a date, we go, oh, my gosh, we're best friends. Right. We're so funny. We right. like each other we're, so much. <laughs> we're but, amazing. But when the kids are screaming and there's junk everywhere, we're like, oh, like, how do we survive this? We know our kids are little. We know this is a season, but we want to be thriving. We want to be like Team Ross. We're in this together, you know, and every time we go on a date, we realize how much we do love each other. So... Yeah, if we're not careful, activity steals intimacy, mm-hmm. right? It's That's like good. we're doing these things, and it may we may actually be in the same minivan, running to the same soccer game, but we're not experiencing that. We've we've transplanted that activity for the intimacy that's there. That's so true. So you feel these moments. As we talk about this idea, it, it's it's about me more than you, isn't it? Part of it, I think, we've got to look and ask the the deeper question. When I feel like my significant other, this isn't happening, what is it in me that's getting triggered, right? What is it, uh, because there's something I'm projecting into that circumstance. So if the house isn't as clean, why is it 
creating this emotion in me. I think there's so much for us. It's the hard work of that next, you know, it's Jesus's word. It's the looking in your own eye first. What are these things in me that I need to continue to surrender to, that I need to continue to try to put at the feet of the cross and say, my my issues of perfectionism, um, I've, I've put my self-worth and my value if this is, or if my kids look this way, or if my husband, so now it has little to do with the kids and a husband or my wife, I'm projecting my own, you know, insecurities mm-hmm. into that situation. And so I think for me, I always try to think when I get in these moments and these emotions are coming, if I can breathe just a moment and say, okay, what, what's really, what's creating this anger? What's creating this disappointment? What's creating that, um, and sometimes it's there, and then, as you know, sometimes it's not even in the moment, but it's, I think as you said so well, Jay, this is the work of relationships. This is a little time with me and God and just saying, God, you know, it's, it's what David said, you know, search me, O Lord, know my heart. Mm-hmm. God, help me to understand I'm feeling frustrated now, and I don't know why I'm frustrated. I'm feeling really discontent. Help me reveal to me, you know, give me some words, give me some hooks, give me some things that I can really begin to go. And I find so many times it has, again, less to do with our spouse and, and more to do with my still, my own hurt, my own woundedness, or my own selfishness in different times. Yeah, I know for me, um, James and I had to do some work early on. Um, I have an absent father. I don't have a relationship with him. Um, it's been a struggle. And that wasn't really a wound that I knew that I had when I was younger. My parents separated so early. Um, but it began to show itself in my marriage when um, my husband would get stuck at work or when he wouldn't be able to show up in a way I wanted him to it was the deep wounding of my dad that made me go like, he's going to leave me. He doesn't love me. He, you know, instead of going, oh, I have a wound there and I need to do that work in myself so that when he's not able to be home from work right on time, I go, oh, he must've got stuck there. Like it's not about me and it's not about our marriage. Um, So just really digging in to do the healing work. Um, Because sometimes even into your 30s, 40s, 50s, there's stuff from your childhood or stuff you've believed, a lie you've bitten off on that you don't even realize. I am shocked by social media. You can see an infographic and it can tell you like, if you do this, your kids will be like this. And it's so easy to read it and believe it and let that be some lie that festers in instead of going... Who created that infographic and who made them an expert and why am I biting off on that lie and living in that fear? It's so untrue, but it's so easy to get caught up in these cycles. Um, That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, the times where I'm I'm frustrated and my needs aren't being met, I feel like it's when and I'm annoyed by things I shouldn't be annoyed by. Mm-hmm. It's when my wife and I are disconnected and we haven't talked about it mm-hmm. and we just kind of let it sit. And we become really good uh, co-parents and roommates in those seasons, you know, where it's like we just got to get the kids to the next place. We just got to get through the next day. You're almost like surviving, right? Yeah. And so you can go to bed, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. Right. And so so things that would never really bother me normally, I I have to realize that you're kind of like it's like you're treating the symptoms, but you're not treating the root Mm -hmm. of the problem. And I have to sit there and ask and just pray and ask the Lord to reveal the root. And typically, 90% of the time, it's it's me. It's not, it's, my frustration is actually something that I'm not doing. Or, and so it really is, it's not you, it really is me, you know, in this <laughs> yep. scenario, you know, yep. so. And I think so many times when I careful, we, we put this, 
we don't ever say it, but it's kind of this idea that my spouse or my significant others is going to meet all my needs, mm-hmm. right? So if I would have married the right person, they would have made everything right in my life. And uh, it's just always, you know, if our self-esteem, if our worth and our value, in all practical sense, if it doesn't come from the Lord, if it's always based on that person, we're doomed to be disappointed Mm -hmm. because it's two fallible, broken people in this beautiful thing called marriage that we have together. But I think so many times we are looking so much for our spouse to meet so much of our own needs that they were never created to do. Um, it just always puts up a false, a disappointing hurdle they never can get over, a bar they can never live up to. And so I think I'm part of those. And it's give and take, right? This isn't, as we're talking about, it's isn't like, oh, all these things in the relationship are my issues and my spouse doesn't contribute. Now, these are two, two people in it and both are equally accountable for but I think if we're always waiting for the other to make the first move, right. we just stay in these cycles that and we've all been married long enough. These can go for weeks, months, years. We look back and say, man, we've just got some patterns here that just aren't great. And I'm not as happy and fulfilled as I want. And I keep thinking it's you. And if you'll get this, you'll be right, then I'll be right. In realities, it, it really begins with us. LJ, you do a lot with <clears throat> our women's groups and small groups that we have in our church. Sometimes those are really healthy dynamics where we can encourage each other. And then sometimes, especially when it comes in the context of relationship, we're not careful. It actually it becomes dysfunctional in a weird way mm-hmm. where we just kind of can get together and com- talk about what we wish could be. What are just some helpful um, suggestions you would have for even, I think of our, we do a lot in our church out of groups and small groups. What are some maybe some things to avoid that you've seen through the years? And what are some really healthy habits that help us really make these community relationships, relationship strengthening rather than just relationship complaining? Um, I think the first thing is just being aware of it. Just realizing when you're a group of 10 or 20 people, if we start husband bashing or we start throwing people under the bus, like it's such an easy train to get on. Instead of like walk into the room and say something great your husband did that week. Like people will be shocked. It's so easy to complain. Um, and actually, in our like very sensitive culture right now, it's it almost feels wrong to say something your husband did that was good, because lest you make the person in the room feel bad who who can't think of something their husband. So then we turn it around and we end up complaining all the time <laughs> instead of feeling free to share the good things about our spouse or the good in a weird things way, about our life. Yeah, our culture has moved us to silence on affirmation. Yes, least anybody be offended or hurt. Yes. And we have just, well, we can all agree the bad things. That's yeah. a, that's and a great of, like, reminder. I want to cheer on the ladies. I want to say, yes, your husband hit the nail on the head this week. Like, I'm so excited for you. And instead we're like, oh, well, uh, my husband didn't do that. So, uh, you know, and it's, it can be tricky like that. Um, let's see, other things. I think part you mentioned well is just guarding against the comparison part. It's, it's even a challenge, I think, of us as followers of Christ – we're trying to build each other up and encourage. Mm-hmm. It's even a challenge in our social media <clears throat> presence, right? Mm-hmm. How do we celebrate what our families are doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember feeling this tension, like, so our, when our boys were in sports, well, how do you, I want my boys to know I'm proud of them mm-hmm. and I'm celebrating. So I would do all these tapes and highlight things because I want them to know I was proud of them and yet not making, oh, look at us. Right. It's this really awkward balance. You're kind of right in the middle of this, Zach, with, with kids. What have you found? Is there any words of wisdom on balance to that? Yeah, I think it's um, 
yeah, it's that weird tension of like you want them to be humble, um, but you want them to have that quiet confidence as well because any great athlete or any great leader, right, has those things as well. And so I think what I've tried to do is really um, just pull them aside one-on-one. And so I'm not doing it publicly in front of a bunch of other people where I'm, you know, that that dad in the stands or whatever, but really pulling him aside and going like, hey, man, you did a really good job tonight here. And even when it's not – even he, like the other day, he didn't make any shots, but I'm like, you played really sound defense. You know, you made really great passes. You stayed in the whole game. You had great stamina for the game, like those kind of things. And so trying to keep them, trying to keep them humble in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hard part too, is sometimes your kids just aren't that good at something they're doing. So then you're trying to find things, right. Mm-hmm. To say like, man, you, you wore those shorts really well. Yeah. You know, that jersey looked great on you. Yeah. You know, I'm just kidding. But but no, seriously, I think the part, the comparison thing, though, I think I was thinking about it in the context of marriage, actually. And I actually find that sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, too, not just comparing your your spouse or your partner to someone else, but comparing them to the former them. Hmm. So, like, remember when we were young and we didn't have kids and we our bodies were shaped different mm-hmm. and we had more time for each other? We and you were so fun. And and I was so funny. fun and I had yeah. hair and all of those things, right? And so you can actually get into comparison trap with how you, things used to be and then not realize like we're in a different season. It's not supposed to be like it was before. Um, but then how do I lead and how do I love and how do I be in relationship in this season? And then trying to do it the way you did it before doesn't even work in this season. And so I think that's a lot, that's a trap that I think a lot of married couples or people that have been in relationship for a long time can get into. Yep. That's a really good Really good word on that. I always, when I'm talking to women, like especially engaged women, and I'm coaching them on, you know, what marriage might be, um, I go back to thinking about, like, you think you know them. They're always wondering, like, have we dated long enough? Is this the right time? You go, you think you know them. And I go, you'll never know your spouse. You'll never know what your spouse is like when a worldwide pandemic comes along, when your spouse, you know, loses his job unexpectedly. Like, you can never know what they're going to bring to the table, but you have to be willing to be ready to say, okay, I've partnered myself with this person and now I'm going to walk through this with them. I'm going to be their helpmate. I'm going to support them. Um, and just being ready for any of the curveballs that come. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so good. I think even as you guys were sharing that, I was, I was thinking about even this area of affirming, I think something so important that you had mentioned there, Zach, it, it's a combination, right, of affirming in public and also private. If we only affirm on social media and all this, it almost looks like we're just projecting. Right. If, if our spouse or our kids don't hear it privately, the reverse is sometimes we're not careful. We only say things privately behind the doors and we never affirm them in the public. So I think it's just trying to keep the balance between the two. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that always falls. But if we're doing simply one, we're missing the other as we go. Yeah. Well, I think it's challenging. I think it has a lot to do with people's personality types too. I mean, mm-hmm. I know like... Um, and their love languages, right? I mean, yeah. um, my wife doesn't like it when I post things about her on social media. It, it's, I don't know if the word is embarrassing, but it's like, oh, don't, don't do that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. And I always hope secretly she likes it, but I don't really know, you know. And so <laughs> other people, it's like, oh, no, this is my I know plenty of couples that post about each other all the time to a point where I'm like, okay, we get it, everybody. You're both amazing, <laughs> you know. And so I think it has to do a lot with, like, what their, what their love language is and how often you can do that. And then also, like, 
is it meaningful for them? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't hit my wife's love tank posting about right. social media, mm-hmm. but what does is me cleaning the house or access service or things like that, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think it's knowing your, the way your partner wants to receive, you know, those things and then doing it in that way. Yep. So That's really good. And maybe being able to speak up if something like that, you know, my husband doesn't post on social media at all. So Valentine's day comes, I'm not going to get a post and it does not bother me at all. I am around women and it does bother them and it cuts them deeply. And so then it's the conversation of, you know, did you tell your husband that would you, you know, and then how to bridge that conversation. Yeah. Um, because if it's becoming a deep wound every single holiday or every time you're on social media, then it needs to be addressed. If it's not, it does not, I, it doesn't affect me at all. Then it's something we can just let go. Yeah. You know? And going back to where we started this, right? It's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. What about that hurts me so deeply? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think even for your spouse to be able to, let's just use that example. Mm-hmm. The conversation, you didn't post anything about me on social media. I'm, I'm angry. What he's going to do is he's going to fill that gap with what he thinks it makes you feel like, well, you just want this so you can keep up with your all your girlfriends in your group and da da da. And he mm-hmm. just feels pressure now to do a performance mm-hmm. so you'll feel as good. In reality, that's not what's hurting. The reality is, I just don't think you're proud of me in a public way. Mm-hmm. And when you don't say anything that way, it just makes me feel less. So it's our ability to do that hard work to look inside. What's the trigger for me? And then to be able to articulate mm-hmm. that trigger to your spouse is so important. Because otherwise, especially for us men, we'll fill the gap. And I guarantee you, most of the time we're filling it with the wrong things and we think we're, we're meeting that. Right. And I think that's so many times when we get into these moments of conflict, you know, just some conflict things that are helpful to do. You know, we, we speak often this idea of just... Um, using I statements rather than you statements, right? So let's go back to that same example. When you didn't post on that, that made me feel rather than you were, you know, this, this, this. So I think it, it, it's part of there. And I think about this idea of fighting, you know, fair in these moments that really help keep the there. I think in our times of dis, uh, conflict, our times of discussion, it's really making sure that we stay on the topic Mm-hmm. that we're really dealing with. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, the longer we're married, we've built up this whole repertoire of past hurts. Mm-hmm. And we can, I mean, when the argument's not going well, we can go back to 1994 <laughs> when this event happened and they really, you know. Yeah. And uh, so part of it, I think, is that in those moments of vulnerability, uh, that fighting fair idea of like, we're agreeing, I'm not going back for past things. We're going to try to stay current with where we're at. I'm going to try to articulate what I am feeling and how the action made me feel mm-hmm. and then allowing your, you know, your spouse to do that. And it's good. I think is helpful. And then I always just say too, with couples, when we're in those moments of conflict, you know, there are times there's a certain point in the argument that we're no longer being profitable mm-hmm. and you may need to just have the freedom to say, let's just take a break where we are now. I, I don't think we're making progress. <clears throat> let's commit to get a time and come back. We're not, you know, ignoring this. We got to come back and talk about it. But it gets <clears throat> so heated and so escalated mm-hmm. that pretty soon we're forgetting about the issue. And now again, I'm projecting, not about me. I'm projecting to you what you're doing and all these things. And we're back to this this kind of cycle that you you kind of come through. Anything that you found in your time in your marriage relationship together has been helpful in times of conflict. Sometimes when I'm 
confused on how to approach a subject. So I want to address something with my husband, but I don't just want to come out or I'm not sure how to just say like da 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 da. I always start with, okay, hey, this question has been coming up in my mind over and over when this happens. So I think I just need to say something. I literally say those words to let him know I've not been sitting on this. I've not been waiting on it. It's coming up because every time you do this, my brain thinks this, and now I know that's what's telling me I need to address it. Does that, if that yep. makes sense? So sometimes just coming in and going, you didn't do this again. Right. Going, hey, every time that you don't do this, I kind of think about it and it rubs me the wrong way. So now I think, I think that's a sign that I need to bring it up to you. What do you think? Right. You know? Yeah, it's kind of similar. I mean, I think I look for patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, in my marriage, if it's a one-time thing that was an offense, uh, you know, that I felt offended by or whatever, I can usually just kind of pray over that and get over it. Um, if it's a pattern that I'm like, okay, I think I need to talk about this, it's just choosing your battles wisely, right? I mean, it's that's going... such a powerful word, right? <laughs> Everything isn't a battle, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, that's been the part. And then I think the other part for me is just um, I'm a typical guy. I want to like attack the problem, solve it. It's going to take one meeting. We can do this in 10 minutes. You know, it's like, (laughs) I have a schedule. Let's do this, you know, versus like I've learned with my wife, um, we're very different in that way. And so like, I may be ready to talk about it and she's not. And early on in the marriage, I didn't, it didn't matter if she was ready. I was ready. So we were talking. Now I've learned like, is this a good time to have this conversation? And a lot of times it's not. And, And like, great. When is a good time? And then she'll help me with that time, you know, and then, and then knowing that we don't have to solve it. Like it may be one conversation of a few conversations. And that was really hard for me, probably the first 10 or 15 years of our marriage, but just learning to go, okay, I don't have to, this is not a problem to wrestle down by the horns and defeat. This is really going, no, this is a person. It's a relationship. I love her. She loves me. Let's figure out where is this stemming from and how can we talk through it together? Yeah. So winning is not the goal, right? right. And so many times we got it. like, I got to, come out on the right place here. So it goes back to, this is about me. What about me makes me feel like I have to win in this situation? Right. Why do I always have to be right? Uh, why is the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong? Why is that so hard to say? Where's that pride? Where's that woundedness coming? And again, all these things are just, they're so easy to talk about, but they're so hard to apply because it really, it requires this soul care, this inward look it requires times of prayer, learning, continuing to just dig within. Uh, LJ, you've got a resource that you've uh, come across that's been helpful along this lines. You want to share that with us? Oh, yeah. Um, so if anybody, I love following Carrie Newhoff. Do you guys follow Carrie Newhoff yep. on Instagram? Um, he once recommended his wife's book, which is called Before You Split. So <laughs> I definitely <laughs> mentioned to my husband, like, hey, I'm reading this really good book. But I'm not thinking about splitting up with you. But the, um, <laughs> Don't leave the, it on the bedside I, table yeah. without <laughs> some explanation. But the uh, subtopic is find what you really want for the future of your marriage. And so his wife, Tony, um, she works as a divorce lawyer, but she's a Christian and she's had her own marriage struggles. And so hearing um, just experiences from other couples as well as her own struggle Um, was really, really insightful for me and just gave me a lot of pointers on how to get the best from my marriage. Not even, (laughs) I'm not considering anything, but uh, just to get farther along the field than just 
letting it be a ho-hum marriage. So That's fantastic. And I know for the Newhoffs, that's their mm-hmm. story. And Journey carries national pastor in a large menu and speaks even in his life a time of burnout and mm-hmm. disconnection. And so, again, uh, any of these links and notes that we have on our podcast, uh, again, you can see them all. Visit LexCity.Church slash Off the Record, and you can get a copy, a uh, link to that book as we go. Well, Zach, you've really led us uh, churchwide kind of in this thought here this week as we've been going. Any kind of last thoughts on this issue of it's not you, it's me? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think probably the crux of uh, the messes was just, I think we're as a culture, what's okay and what's acceptable in relationships is not necessarily what's acceptable biblically and what God's word has to say. And so I think just this whole concept of dating and really just in a different direction. um, And I really, I think probably the thing I tried to get across the strongest when, when talking about this was like a lot of us just aren't ready to be in relationships right now. And it really is just, it's a time to to stop and uh, and and to renew our minds so we can understand what God's perfect, pleasing will is for our lives. And then when you do that, you'll be able to find the person that's actually right for you. And so I think a lot of it, I would say probably the biggest point would just be um, and quit looking for the one and and really focus on our relationship with Jesus. And then the one's going to come. Um, I think that's probably the biggest the biggest yeah, part. Yeah, it's a great quote you gave. You know, you're becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Right. That's there. And just uh, any quick little thoughts, it's such a powerful thing. It may be not be the time to be in a relationship. You need to give yourself some time. Are there any signs that would say, boy, these are probably times I'm honest with myself. I don't need to be jumping into the next relationship. Are there any, or these are times I feel like I'm at a point now. uh, I can bring into this in a healthy way. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people that are in a relationship right now, that's not healthy. I think you're... I think if you're really honest with yourself between you and the Lord and the quietness of your own heart or in your bedroom or whatever at night, you know you're not supposed to be in that relationship. Um, all, your thoughts are there, but you're but you. It's kind of like the whole um, pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of change kind of thing. It's going like okay until you can realize that you know actually staying in this relationship is going to be worse for my future than actually getting out of it, mm-hmm. and the feelings of loneliness and all the things that you're feeling. I, mean, I think that's that's a really big one. And then I feel like when um, thinking about getting a relationship, just a sign would be like, if it's, if you're spending more time processing that and thinking for that and looking for that, and you're like finding ways to make every guy or every girl fit into your mold mm-hmm. versus just really going like, no, I'm really focusing on, on God right now. And he's going to bring that person. Mm-hmm. And then when I have that, it's a lot easier to see the healthy signs in people versus trying to make them fit into yeah. something that you're looking for. Yeah. LJ, anything that you've seen through the years? I was just wanting to say, like, if anybody's listening and they're in a relationship and they're not sure how to get out of a funk or, like, next steps to take, I just always say, like, go back to what attracted you to that person. Go back to, um, like, the playfulness that you had. Do something unique or interesting. Try painting or rock climbing or something um, to get you connecting again. Right. 
uh, just side by side doing an activity at first if the communication and the talking is what's difficult. Um, we talked about your message um, at Life Group, and we talked about different things that we could try to start to do. And my favorite suggestion was somebody just bought an inflatable hot tub off of Amazon. I've and seen they that. Said, I've seen that one. It's the best thing. She's, I like it. She said you don't have your phone because you're in the hot tub. They tell the kids no. They've put the kids to bed. And her husband is introverted like mine is. So it's not about, like, having a book or doing something. You're just sitting and chilling. But they have been able to reconnect in a way that they haven't in a long time. So just looking for ways to reconnect. So we'll put a link to the hot tub. I like um, it. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, I think that's that's so good on just different ways to do that. Well, today we've kind of, again, kind of bringing this full cycle. You know, it's it's the reality of any relationship. We're going to get to these seasons of uh, where it's easy and seasons where it's difficult. And in those moments when it is difficult, I think if you hear nothing else from us today, it is these moments to start. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 7. It's, it's to look within. Let's look at that plank in our own eye before we so quickly look for the speck in our spouse's eye that's there. Keep asking yourself, what's the deeper thing that's bringing wounded? Why is this hurting me so much? Mm -hmm. Why is this making me feel disconnected? And then just trying to be able to put words to that really help. Some things that might take away some things I'm hearing you say in the context of our community and our relationships, we can do a lot to for one another by just encouraging one another, finding ways to build up marriages and each other's spouses rather than finding ways to always be discouraged and, and, and speak poorly there and uh, to move forward that way. Hey, as we close out, we've got just uh, a few moments for just you guys have been submitting questions over to during this series. And so we want to take a moment and just answer maybe three or four of those before we close out our time today. So, uh, Zach, what do you got for us today? Yeah, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Well, if they're hard uh, ones, I'll ask both, L I'll both ask LJ. Of you, both of you. So, all right. Well, the first question is, um, society is twisted, even what sex is. How do I know where to draw the line in a relationship? How do I stop lust from leading? Great question. I remember back as we were youth pastors for years, it was always the question, how far is too, too far, far, was yeah. the question back question. in the, the 80s. And yeah. Right. The issue is not the line, but the issue is the time, right? Uh, until you got the ring, you can't do the thing. Um, wow. But I think, thank you. I'm also available. Yeah. So, uh. but I think part is trying to say emotional connection, physical connection. I mean, we always say, okay, I shouldn't get here to this point of intercourse. How much can I do in front of this? challenge it all leads in it's also closely connected it's even like i said how do i not lead with lust it's hard god has created us right once the mm -hmm. he's are in the ignition it's a progression and so it becomes so difficult so when when you start to think i can keep putting on the brakes the challenge is you you just were never created and designed this way so lust becomes the thought because god has designed you to do that way and so as a married person, it's far easier to say this than when we were single, right? This is always the challenge. You're, you're in a relationship with somebody who you're attracted to, so it makes that. But I always go back to, uh, I shared a couple weeks ago, right? It's the, uh, the beer goggles, the sex goggles. It, it is hard to have an objective perception of the person in your relationship if you're engaged sexually all the way to intercourse or anywhere along those things. The way God designed it, it, it muddies it. It connects us in a way that oversees the little things that if you uh, enter into a dating relationship that where they're overseeing, the problem is three or five years into your marriage, the goggles change a little bit. And all right. of a sudden you're like, how did I miss this? Well, I know how you missed it because we were so caught up in the moment. So I think it's there. And then I just go back to uh, 
it's just hard what you're feeding your mind, right? We can't, we're just designed and wired this way. So I can't watch these things and I can't pay attention to these things and not think that I'm going to be sexually minded. I'm already that way, but I'm feeding it. And then I'm going to get into a relationship with a person I'm attracted to and not assume that we're going to be continuing to move. move I think it's part of it too, is just pre-deciding, right? Like having that conversation on the front end to say, here's what, here's how far we're going to go. Mm -hmm. Here's where we're not going to go. You know, I think doing that ahead of time, because then what that keeps it from being one person being the gas, one person being the brakes, it's not fair, right? Yeah. It's not fun to be the brakes in the relationship when someone else is the gas all the time versus going like neither one of us are the gas or the brakes when we pre-decide this is what we're, this is what we're okay with. That's good. Yep. Context and location, idle hands and idle time creates more challenges. Right, right. All right. Next question. Oh, this is a fun one. Here we go. Is oral sex okay with your spouse? It's a big question because the question becomes outside of relationship, is it a problem, right? We had, what is it? We had that national issue on that whole thing. And boy, we're seeing that more like, it's okay, we're not having intercourse, but we're doing all these other things. And so I'm reminded all that falls within the issue of, of lust and, and sinfulness. In the context of marriage, I think uh, it's so much true. What is mutually... Um, enjoyable, mutually approved on. I mean, swing from the chandeliers, have your fun. Just make sure it's mutually that that way and not um, anything that makes your partner uncomfortable or whatever. Some, probably something you should avoid. Right. Agreed? Agreed. <laughs> all right, give me now, one have more. Have fun with that conversation that at yes. home, though. So, all right, last question. Um, do churches offer sex therapy for married couples? They said I think that'd be a wonderful idea. Yep. Again, if you go to our, uh, was our second or third podcast there, uh, talk about sex, you'll see a link there. And we do have some uh, Christian agencies. And uh, the Hollises were one that we interviewed here that, that deal a lot with couples in this area of sexuality and the struggle. And it, again, it is one of the top three challenges in marriages. So I just encourage you, there's so much involved, physical, emotional, psychological, that all, it's, we're so complexed. And so if you are in that, sometimes there are just physical things with just uh, hormones and things that are out of whack. That doesn't mean you don't have the desire. It's just not there. And so uh, seek out help. These things never go away mm -hmm. uh, on their own without some conversation and some work. And so do the uh, take the risk, and I think you'll go. Well, great questions. Continue to submit them as we go. We'll try to answer those. Thanks for being a part of us in this journey over these last few, four weeks on Mixtape. We hope it's been helpful and encouragement to you. And uh, Zach and LJ, thanks for joining me and sharing a little bit of your heart and your life with us, us today. Welcome, so, yeah. Again, any of these links are available uh, at lexcity.church slash off the record. We'll look forward to seeing you next week on Off the Record.